Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. We have a spectacular guest. You know her from casting The Breakfast Club, Coming to America, Die Hard, Dick Tracy, 16 Candles, the list goes on and on and on and on. I'm so grateful and so honored to have our next guest, Jackie Birch, casting director icon. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. I love you so much. Jackie and I go way back. And in fact, Jackie, when I was an actress, actually had cast me in a few things. I don't even know, Jackie, if you know this, and then we're going to hear all about you, that one time I came in for you, and I think I was meeting you and Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. uh, for Die Hard, I think. Or no, it was Red no. Heat. Well, you, did you cast Red Heat? Red Heat, yeah. Was that it? Red Heat. Yes, it was Red Heat. And I'll never forget this, because you guys... I was so excited to have a callback and to meet Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it wasn't a huge role, but it was just a couple, you know, it was a couple scenes at least. And I had an emergency root canal and I remember coming in and I had just had a root canal and somehow Jackie, I, I worked through it and you hired me. I don't even remember what the role was. I do know the role got cut, but you hired me and you guys, Anything's possible. That is the point of this because I had a root canal. I was just coming out of that root canal situation and I still closed the deal. And Jackie Birch, I love you so much. You love actors so much. And now we're going to get to hear all about you. So, yeah, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you one funny story because when we, when I was casting 16 Candles and Michael Schofling, you know, the good looking guy? Yes. The Jake, he was very shy. And so, when he came in for the callback, he had t- he had some dental work too. And <laughs> I said, he normally has more energy. He's a little low key because of the dental works. And so I got him over the hump of them not judging him because he was a little quieter. And he a got- little, A little uh, anesthetic out. That's but so- But a lot of it was just, he was so shy. So that was what I was trying to like blame it on the dentist. Oh, oh. That's yeah. incredible that you did that. But that's the thing that's so incredible about you, that you love actors so much and you fight for them and you support them and you're interested in them. Tell us uh, a little bit how you got started and the first job with the, I mean, the, not the first job necessarily, but the hit of The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Well, Fascinating. funny thing is, is I was a teacher of the deaf. That's, I, I came out to LA to... to I was a special ed teacher and then I got my master's to teach the deaf. This is, I did not know this. You didn't? No, I had no idea. I'm like, I'm a skilled sign language person. That's why so, someone can't put that on their resume and lie because I can test them. Wow. Yeah. And then I didn't love teaching. And then yeah. a friend of mine said, do you want to come work for me? Why my assistant goes out of town and it was Michael Chinich. And he was the hardest person to work for, but... He was great, and, and I did it, and then when she, I said, if you quit, I want this job, and she came back and quit like weeks later, and so I worked for him, and that's how I started. And, and you loved it right away. You I did- loved it right away, because I, I just could read a script and know, in the beginning, I could know who should be in the movie, I just didn't know enough actors, because it wasn't my background. So I started going to every theater in LA, every movie, you know, watching every TV show so I could build up the body of actors. And so you knew automatically when you were reading a script, when you started working for Michael, that you picked it up and you had that 
uh, your imagination was so full and vivid. Yeah, and I, never, I never paid attention to the directions of how they describe the characters. I always yeah. just got a sense of what it should be. And I think actors make that mistake as they get so locked into hmm. reading every little thing. And it's just like recently I had a scene where actors, they don't think that they, I guess they're so afraid of adding a word or whatever, but you need to complete a scene. You can't stand there just staring because there is no line written in the thing. So I always tell them, just make it feel real. If you're knocking on a door and saying something, if the guy answers back, then answer them, answer them. Even if it's not in the script, at least for the video, it makes it complete. But they may, maybe they could do that with like a thought or a behavior or a sound instead of adding to the script. That's my opinion. I always. I don't think it's a bad thing if they add a word to a script. Okay. You, know, okay. you know, if they, and if they come in for callbacks, they can always say to the director, do you mind if I just add this? Because so it finishes the scene, you know, not to insult them if they're the writers. You have to be careful if they're the writer director. But, you know, a lot of times the directors love it and then they'll add it. Oh. So people just have to be more logical about like what makes the scene work for them on a video situation. Right. So now we're talking on because everything's uh, self-taping. But before we even go into that, yeah. it, what you just said was really interesting. So get outside the box is what I'm hearing you say and really use your own stuff that really makes you special and different. And don't go by it says, oh, it's a buttoned up, you know, you know, clerk. So you have to play it all up tight. You're right. saying you look saying, special. Get the essence of it. Figure out which way you want to. Like if it's a, if it's a Seven Eleven clerk, you know we're from LA. Right. You don't have Seven Elevens here. But yeah. if, if it's say it's a Seven Eleven, pick a pick a sense of is he a dumb Seven Eleven? Does he love his job? You know, create what you think you want and then go for it. Yes. I never be over the top. I'm never saying that because I hate when actors are abroad or... Being over the top means you're not connected to the truth. Yeah. Being over the top means you're broad and you're not in a sense. And I just wish actors would watch their own tapes because you can see the mistakes you make just by... If you would literally watch that tape and see, is this something you'd ever see in a movie or on a TV show? This kind of behavior. Broad. Broadness. Yeah. Can we just... Can we come back to helping actors with their auditions and what your pet peeves are a little bit after we just talk about the, I mean, you have cast such incredible classics and I do know you were like one of the uh, top casting directors here in Los Angeles for so many years. And I know now you're in Atlanta. So can we talk about The Breakfast Club, the journey of that, how you feel about and so proud about, it's a cult classic. And do you feel like actors are the same, have that same raw corners that they did for that, for finding those actors for that movie? Um, well, that movie was so interesting because originally John wanted to cast actors just out of Chicago because John Cusack was there when he was not famous. And then when they brought it to Universal, I happened to be on staff there, but I had worked with John. And so he goes, oh, I want Jackie to cast The Breakfast Club. And so... I, I loved it. I'm very visual. So I, I have to do chemistry by putting pictures up on walls and see yeah. if I feel that there's a chemistry there. But the Judd role was the hardest role in the movie. That was, that was, tough. I, I went to New York. I was picking guys off streets because it was amazing. Wow. To find someone who had that kind of street 
level is not yeah. so easy when you're looking for actors who are more, much more. Wait, so let me just say, you actually would tap people that you thought were like physically them on the street. You didn't even know um, if they were actor. I didn't even know, but I remember I picked up Billy Ward, who's now, he's an actor, but he was a model at the time and he was so gorgeous. Um, the little boy in 16 Candles, that was one of the geeks. I found him in a movie theater. He oh gave me credit for paying for his college education because wow. not only did he do 16 Candles, he got jobs after that because he was so smart and just so wow. real. He didn't know to be bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That was Darren Harris. Yeah. So wow. So but how I don't, do you I don't always do that, but it's just sometimes when parts are hard. Well, so how did you find that role on the Breakfast Club? Judd? How? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how did Judd come into your world? He didn't come in in the very beginning. It was really strange. I saw everybody in LA. Then I went to New York and I think I'm pretty sure I found him in New York and he walked in and I knew I had, I knew I had him. Did he wear that leather long jacket? He came in dressed like the character yeah. and, and so you know I brought him right to John and wow. every, then it was then all of a sudden the studio wanted a name and I kept saying no it's Judd it's Judd it's Judd wow. and you know John was great because he listened to me mm. and um and then in, and we they flew in John Cusack and I had to tell him he didn't get the part so I'm sure he hates me um but I did say we would pay for his airplane ticket home but you know oh, oh ouch but hey, you got you're doing the bigger picture of putting the pieces together. I just knew so, Judd was the right combination. But did Judd? I, and I haven't looked up Judd's credits before Breakfast Club. Was he, had he done anything, or was it just a random? And essence? he was with Lori Rotkin, and finally she said, "That's what I think." Finally, at the end, she said, "Oh, I, I want you to meet Judd," and I said, "Fine." And that's that's the rest is history. Once he walked in, I knew I had it. That's. Amazing. So you, do you know when actors walk in, the minute they walk in, of course, we'll talk pre-COVID now, the minute you see them on tape, if their energy uh, uh, is right for the role? Well, it's interesting. The one mistake I made was when I met Johnny Depp and he came off, he was so odd. He was standing in the corner of the room Mm. and I really didn't think he was talented, just judging his whole behavior and the way he was. So I definitely missed took for him because I do think he's talented but oh, so- it, it, it wasn't I didn't know that meeting him immediately I just thought he just seemed like a pretty boy that was so shy that you couldn't get any fix on him when I first met him and then so did you see him again years later or you just had that so well, you're just talking about that first impression good star yeah yeah well, time you can tell when someone walks in a room I can tell I just yeah. get gut reaction but mm-hmm. with him, I didn't. So, you know, so you can never tell. So sometimes you're wrong. But most of the time you're right. But here's what I love about you. He was like, definitely he was the biggest star that I was wrong about. Most of the other time, I haven't been that wrong. Yeah. I think because you're connected. You're just connected to the other people and you care so much. And that's the always, I just always felt, and I haven't been acting, I've been coaching for so many years, That, but when I did meet you and when actors do meet you, you're strong and you're passionate. And I think that people that meet you have to have that same energy right. so as not to be intimidated, but to connect with you because you're so, gosh, well, you, you when, love it as much as I love it. Yeah, you know, when I first came here, people, people thought I was mean because I was so honest and I wasn't mean. I was trying to help them get to the next level. 
But yeah. it's interesting when, when agents would tell me like, oh, they're afraid of you. I go, afraid of me? I'm like the best casting director they'll ever know because I'm, I'm on the actor's side. But it's so interesting that when you're a little bit direct, you know, I'm a New Yorker. So hey, people say that about me too, because I'm passionate. I'll be direct. I'll give you that. They, they get intimidated sometimes. It's only because I understand we care so right. much. But the South has, had to learn to get, you know, understand me. Well, let's talk about that in a second. So you were here for so many years. Yeah. And how long have you been in Atlanta now? God, I'm so bad with this, but I think at least 10 years. Wow. Well, I was you know in, no, I was in North Carolina for five. Oh, and that's right. I in, they would fly me in all the time on the project, but I knew that wouldn't last. That mm -hmm. they would pay for to fly me in, put me up at a hotel every time we had callbacks. And right. so then I thought, well, I was, I was growing out of that small town in Wilmington, even mm -hmm. though I love going back there and I have a lot of friends there. And so then I moved here. Yeah. And how do you like it in Atlanta? It's very different. How is it different in Atlanta than it was in Los Angeles? Not Wilmington. No, it's, it's, still, it's still a city, which I like, you know, and we have much better weather here because we have fall, spring, and winter. I don't like the summers, but at least we're following New York. We're kind of very similar to what New York's weather Well, you have seasons. Yes, you have seasons. So that I love so much better than LA. I, I just, LA was getting hotter and hotter and just, you know, yeah. It wasn't for me after a while. I mean, I never really loved LA. I'm an East Coast person. You are an East Coast. Your energy is East Coast, but yeah. it yeah. definitely is. So let's talk about when, when people, the, do you feel like there's a difference in the quality? Because I work with people everywhere now, and I really feel like everyone has stepped up their game a lot. Yeah. They think people are doing fine. It's, how, it's, it's actually how they're taping where there's a difference. I mean, LA and New York, those actors have so many more credits than what people do here, you know, cause I'm looking for series regulars on this thing now. And I'm like, they don't even have hardly any day player credits, these kids, let alone series regulars. You and know? Does that, does that uh, reflect upon a callback? If you gave them the opportunity and they didn't have those credits, does that create a- Not in we have to find the kids for series regulars here, so. You know, we've, we've found some and we have a few more to go. So it doesn't matter if they haven't had as many credits. If the work's there, you'll bring them back. As long as, yeah. Yeah. You, here you can't judge anyone on it. You just pray that, you know, they're talented, period. So what is that for you? When, it, when an actor comes in or when you watch a tape? So, well, let me just back up. So when you're auditioning, do you, pre-COVID, were you having people come in or was it always on tape yeah. for you? Because it's a we little bit we tape people and I did a lot of general interviews and now I can't do any of that. So it's, you know, at least I was able to do that for a long time because mm -hmm. agents knew they could always call me and I would meet any actor that they wanted me to meet. And so let me ask you that. So, because we're going to go back to being able to be in person again, maybe in a year from now, but we will, and we all have hope for that. But so when a person walks in, and they're a little bit shy or a little talking too much. What are your little pet peeves? Is it worse to be shy? Is it worse to talk too much? Or is it- No, I, I don't care about if they're shy or if they talk too much. It says when we start taping, yes. I'll see an actor three times. And if I can't get them to where I want to be, then I end it. Then it's done. Uh, 
Okay. And what makes you want to work with that actor? Sometimes actors come in and go, okay, great. Cause you know, I like to give them a chance. I know how they're nervous coming in for the casting director, you know, and a lot of times when they come in for the director, I've had actors that really have credits that start speeding up the thing and the Mm -hmm. director will say, let's do it again. And let's calm down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And one guy couldn't do it. He just, and this was a guy that had credit and he just kept doing the same thing. And well, you know, you know, we gave him the opportunity and he couldn't, he couldn't get out of his nervousness. Yes. Those nerves are a killer. They really are. And some days, you know what actors out there, some days you can work through it. And And some days you can't. But I don't hold that against them. I, if, the, if the next project comes and, and they, I'm happy to see them read again because sometimes just with more experience, people relax more, you know. Oh, that's so nice because I think actors always feel like, oh God, I bombed it. My nerves got in the way. They hate me. But that's just a falsehood. You don't hate them. It's, it's, yeah. it's what it is. It's like, it, you know, it's like when I did Hidden Figures, he would not hire anybody unless he saw them in the room and they could do it. Because mm. I do not want to take a chance that when I get to the set, they can't do it. So everybody had to come in and read for that. But that was like the greatest, that director, Ted Amalfi, he's the best. He well, was- I respect that so much. And it must be hard. Don't you feel as a casting director, it's so much better to have the physical person so you can see what their real truth is. And it's not 25 takes to the tape that you see. You know what yes. I mean? Because yes. you want to build trust. Yes. And you want to hire actors who are going to just you know, nail that scene, the first two takes. Yeah, yeah. But like, like, the, like um, what's her name from Hidden Figures? She was new. She'd only done Moonlight, but she didn't really know how to read when she came in. And I had her with an acting coach. And then I had to go in and say to her, you've got to relax. You're so worried about holding the purse and doing all these little things that don't mean anything. Yeah. Just breathe it. And it was like, it took her, she had to go through the process twice and he still wasn't sure. I told him she was a star, Janelle, and she yeah. is. Wow, interesting. Yeah, interesting. But she got it. So how come she was so uptight and then she couldn't work it through, but yet she still nailed that role? Why? When I, when I looked at the video, you could see what it, she jumped off the screen. And, so I, could, okay. and also, we had read so many girls. I mean, Vicki Thomas was doing it in LA. A lot of the girls were reading here in Atlanta because they were here either shooting or whatever. And I kept saying she's the only one who's different than Octavia and Taraji. So it, it, it just, I just you, think- just, you felt it, even though her work wasn't there. That's what I'm doing the point I'm saying, because but if you- the funny thing, once Moonlight came out, but I, we had already hired her, but once Moonlight came out, she was so good at Moonlight. So it was interesting that she, there, she didn't know how to do it when she came in for us. But maybe it's the auditioning is so different once you get a role. Because once some, you get a role, you feel that relaxation that comes over and you can do the work. So some people just can't, or they're just not good auditioners. Yeah, she just, I just think for some reason, I don't know what was going on. And I wasn't there for the second audition she did, but, but she's a talent. I think that you cast amazing actors. I really, really do. But I also think that you give people chances and people that you don't know you're open to seeing. And that, what? It's great to discover people. Yeah, so wonderful. So let's talk about now. Yeah. So what do you, let's talk about the actors tapes first yeah. and what you, what you like when you have that opening one and when you say, when you click on their name and the scene comes up, 
Do you like them framed close? Do you feel like that opening moment has to be so strong? What is it that attracts you? And what is a good self-tape for good, you, for your a, office? A good self-tape is, is simple and to the point. I don't need someone who walks into the scene, walks out of the scene and keeps right. doing all that. It's someone, the second they begin to speak, I believe them. And that's all it is. I believe them. Okay. And, when, and that's, that's where they'll go to the next thing. And if they start out and they keep doing these bizarre kind of interpretations, then it doesn't go any farther for this, this movie, for this project. What if there's a lot of physical activity in a scene? What if, it, what if that scene calls for it? Do you say ignore that and just tell the story simply? Yeah, I think that they do not need to, you don't need to dress up unless you're trying to dress down your age or there's some reason that I would say come in without makeup on or whatever to make you look younger. Because I had one case where I told the girl, come in with no makeup, t-shirt, jeans, look as young as you can. This was for Psycho 2. What does she do? She comes in dressed to the nines, looking like 10 years older than she was. And so the directors turned to me and said, why did you bring her in? Yeah. And give me five minutes. And I took her out to the bathroom and scrubbed her down. Oh my and, she, and I put her hair in a ponytail and she got the part. Unbelievable. But did you ever ask her, why didn't she listen to you in the first place? And why I did you me, I was pissed. And yep. I told her, I said, if a casting director who knows what they're doing tells you what to do, don't ever do what you did coming in here because yeah. you almost lost this job. Yeah, what did, she, what did she say about that? I think she appreciated it. I think she just wanted to come in sexy and, you know, thinking yeah. that would get her apart. Yeah. But, you know. I think it's real these days. I think it's changed. I really do. I think it's changed so much that it used to be all about that glam many years ago. And I think now it's about the core richness of each person. Don't you? I, I just think it's actors need to bring something. Yeah. Like, I'm watching all these Turkish shows now. You can't believe how great these actors are. In well, yeah. There's a lot of great shows out there. There's yeah. a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of great shows. Okay, so back to the self-tape. Simplicity, yep. get to the point, tell the story with a beginning, middle, and end, and that's it. And, and what about slating, when they, which I find we, is so we, awful? We separate the slates. So all they have to do is be honest about what city they live in. If they have an address, say, in Charlotte, but they live in L.A., they need to tell me that. They can't lie and say, oh, I live in Charlotte. Because we always have to tell wardrobe, hey, they're in LA right now, so you can't call them in 10 minutes and tell them to get in, you know, so I don't want anyone to lie to me. I right. just need the truth. Because it's all about building trust, though. As a casting director, the actors have to walk in and build trust that they're going to shut up and show up and be prepared. Right. And if they start lying at the very beginning, then you don't, you can't build that trust to bring them onto set. Right, right. And now with COVID, we, everybody has to take COVID five days before, three days before. So it's... Now, how is that... How is that going to affect like your casting? Tell us right now what you're casting. I know, but I want you to tell us. And how does it affect like if it's shooting in Atlanta? Shooting in Charlotte, the one I'm working on. Ah, shooting in Charlotte. So will they hire people from Los Angeles and Atlanta to and fly them there or what? Because of COVID, they're hiring the, the main, some the guest stars and main people from LA, but they're trying to get everybody else from Charlotte, or if it's guest star, then I, I, I'm looking elsewhere, but I'm trying to hit heavy in Charlotte for the smaller roles. It's just so they don't have to fly people in and they can- right there. Yeah, they have homes. They don't have to deal with a lot of stuff. 
when an actor when an actor um slates for you at the end yeah do you like them to be like hey and just be all quirky or just bo- just be really straight and simple I just like them to hold, to write it on a piece of paper or to have a chalkboard so they can be greener. And because we found that actors mumble. Mm. And so a lot of times we get, my name is, and that's all we get. And we don't know who they are at the end of a day of seeing, say, 60 actors. So I always make them hold up, you know, some kind of thing with their name, their the cities they're from, like if they have two homes, like I do, you know, then- right. they, they should say that and their height and that's pretty much it. So they don't have to be Mr. Personality. Sometimes I'll ask actors if I, if it's an English part, I'll say slate in Eng- with the English accent, just mm. try, if I'm trying to get them passed through as, as mm. some of the accents. Okay, so just keeping it really clean. Yeah. And when you say actors mumble, I want to scream because part of your training has to be the use of your voice, your diaphragm, well, your when it vocal comes to talking about themselves. When it comes to saying, hi, my name is, say, Jackie Birch, they'll go, my name is, you know. It's wow, like astounding. Yeah. Astounding because that reflects something. And as actors out there, you've got to be so um, proud of the work that you do and stamp who you are because in order to close the deal, you need to have that resonation yeah, don't you think, of your voice. And make them hold up the signs. Because yeah. they just get shy when they're t- probably talking about themselves or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. What is your pet peeves for actors out there who are listening? And then I want some advice for them. Well, my pet, my pet peeves are only because ever since I had babies, I can't stand perfume. So oh. I think someone comes in person and they're, either overloaded with perfume or they haven't taken showers and they stink up the whole room. Ugh. And I've had one actor who threw everything off my desk and that pissed me off. Yeah. And boundaries, people. Peeve, boundaries. Yeah. My other pet peeve is don't bring guns into my office. Oh my God. But they have. When I did Die Hard, people showed up with guns and I said, look, I don't know what? if you've been out of a mental institution. Don't ever show up with guns. Oh my gosh, this is unbelievable to me. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. It's not shocking. It's that actors, you know, if they think the role calls for it, but that's what I'm saying. You don't need that stuff. They get that on the set. Wow. Well, yeah. Jeez. So no perfume. I understand that pet peeve 100% when people come into my studio classes or coaching. And I'm just, it makes me angry because then I... I can't, my allergies, but so and I, I yeah. worked up, I always say, if you have sweaty hands, just don't shake the person's hand, just wave. So that, um, I, don't, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that for many years now. <laughs> At least another year. Yeah. Yes. Until we get the shots. What else are your pet peeves? What about when actors, pet this pet is, what? This is when actors come into the room, which they're not doing yeah. right now. But do you care if they hold their script? Do you like that they hold their script or refer to their script and feel secure by holding yeah. that as an extension? Hold it, they're more than welcome. Even when they come in for directors, we tell them, because we're the ones that get nervous. But if it's a tiny part, you should have it memorized. There's no reason to have to hold a script. But if it's a bigger part, we don't mind if they do, because if, if, as long as they can do it where they can look down, but look right back up again and look at that actor reading with them. Do you feel like the actors that don't bring in the script are more, are more um, confident and, and more apt to getting that role? 
No, because I've seen both. It, it, it's, some people just like to feel a little bit secure knowing that it's in their hand. So even directors I've worked with, they don't seem to care as long as they can look up and they're not constantly looking down at the script. And what happens when an actor comes in and they start and they're like, oh my God, I'm just, I'm bobbling all these lines and apologizing and getting all and the crazy. Said, Take a minute and start again. Most directors are very kind that way. I've never seen someone say like, oh, you're done, get out. You, you don't see that. They let them do it again. But the actor just must be, take that breath and just surrender. Yes. Because like I, I'm telling you, a hidden figure, this guy wanted to be in it more than anything because he knew Octavia. And this is a consummate actor. This is an actor that's got a lot of credit. Yeah. He couldn't do it. He kept messing up, messing up, messing up, and Ted wouldn't hire him. Because <gasps> he wanted it too much. He wanted it so much that even he knew he just, he was terrible. He couldn't get himself out of that rut. And, you know, Ted was too nervous to, to try it. Well, the thing is, actors who are listening, they have all been there. And yeah. it must happen sometimes. And it's so awful. But, yep, you have to move through it and just have to do a personal check on why that happened. Yeah. And instead of his need of wanting that role so much, he forgot to tell the story. Right. And if you go back to telling the story, you alleviate those nerves. It's hugely important. And if you use the, the person reading with you, when I'm on big budgets, I like to have actors as readers. Mm. That's a whole nother thing, because I've had people get fired from just being a reader because they, they try to sell themselves. But if you're really there as a reader and you're there for the actor, it makes the scenes work well. And a lot of times those readers do get cast because sometimes they're better than the actors coming in. Yeah, you have to take it as a professional job and not try to do anything that isn't kosher. Yeah, well, you're that's lucky if actors come in and you have a good reader because you never know when you come into a room what you're going to have if you're going to, you know, have. But, but just... I thought Brad. Brad is Brad. Is, he's pretty good. He knows how to give back to the actor. Mm -hmm. and that's what I'm saying. You've got to learn to play off the person you're reading with, listening to him and reacting to him, and not just trying to get through the words. You know. Well, it's certainly not only about those words. That is for sure. Yeah, yeah. So how do, how do actors um, that live in Atlanta uh, reach you? How do they connect with you if they've never met you? Is it through recommendations? Is it through emails? Is it through Brad? They could ask their agent. I mean, again, now I'm not meeting them per se, but I mean, I guess I could always Zoom with them. But it, they just have to tell their agent, can you make sure I get seen for this thing? And, and if I always tell agents, if I haven't pulled someone, tell me if you think I'm missing someone. So they do that. Right. Okay. And, but not have the actors them, themselves go, oh, I heard your podcast and I'm reaching out. Would you uh, rather? It's easier if they go through the agents so, so we can schedule them and Brad can get them in on the echo cast type of thing. If, if yes. Tell us about the project you're casting right now. Um, I can't say too much. It's a TV oh. series and, and um, it's a good one. And um, Can we say the name or no? I don't know. Because I remember that, that the last time, like, oh, I, I don't know. Maybe this is different. But when you teach workshops, you're really not allowed to discuss what projects you're doing. Well, this is a podcast. This is for the world just to be hearing. Anyway, you're casting a new series. Yeah. I think we can say it because it's, you're casting it. I guess. I don't know. I guess after the workshops, I just keep it very narrow. Yeah, that's fine. We can keep it narrow. You guys can find out through me if you email the studio. I'll tell you. Um, so um, the process now, 
tell us what the process is. So now you have these roles that you're casting mm-hmm. and then the agents have to just submit all tapes to you. Tell us. No, no. First I pull who I want to see for it. That's right. Then they submit okay. the tapes. Okay. And, and I cut them down to how many I want to send for each role. And it varies. Sometimes when roles are bigger, um, you know, I'll send them more choices. How many? How many choices per role usually? I mean, I like to do normally five, but if it's a bigger role, I would do 10. Mm-hmm. You know. And how many actors do you read or do, tapes do you have send in? I've seen role? over 2,000 already. Wow, wait a second. You've seen 2,000 actors for how many roles? Not that many. Um, maybe eight or nine for the first episode. And wow. Seven for the second. It's it's gotten. We we have been seeing people from, you know, people who are amputees. So we've had to go outside the box on this with people who could play violin and that. So we've been doing agents plus outside the box. Wow, that's fascinating. So you're reading all these people, and then how many people per role? You usually bring back five or ten people to five, the five mostly because people don't want to sit and watch all these tapes because when you start, you know, it adds up. Now, let me ask you something, and I've, this has always been curious for me, because some people I'll be coaching, and my coaches will coach actors, and for an audition, there's like three huge scenes. When you, um, advice to actors, when you are having more than one scene, yeah. it's very important to what? To show a different element, a different emotional drive for that character. Three scenes are in for a reason. If you do that many on the callback, there's a reason. Let's, t- let's address that. Um, yeah, because I don't normally do that. I don't usually give them that many. Sometimes we'll send them the material. Yeah. But, but they, and they can even, if they have to, they can tape all three, but I don't usually have them do that much because they can do more when they come back for the callback, you know? But but I'm under, but when an, when a casting office sends out more than one scene, you don't want to do the same thing in the first scene as you're doing in the second scene. So Right. So, yeah, it depends on the material. You have to see what each one is, if one's more emotional or whatever. It's, it's so hard to say because there's so many variations of that. What makes a special actor to you? What Talent. is Talent. Well, what does that mean? Someone who's really takes up the space. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I try to tell my friends who are actors that are new, it's like when you look at the video and you get the essence of the space that this person is taking up and bringing the character to you, then it, 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 it works. And that's, that's what I look for. And it's just someone who, who knows how to make it real. Mm. Not someone who's just saying words. That's the difference. And it's, it's also about, to me, it would be about that person's vulnerability factor because that gives so much power and uh, energy that allows you, the audience, into their work. Do you agree about that? Say, say that again, that it's the... Vulnerability. Your vulnerability factor is really, really important because it really just keeps your heart muscle open, which allows you, the viewer, or the cast director watching, to, to you know, drop into their world. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that what Jimmy Cagney said from years ago... You plant your feet sturdy on the ground and you listen and you react. Mm. And it's as simple as that. Not easy to do if you're not an actor. I'm not an actor. So it's like, you know. You got to make it look easy. You got to make it look easy. So Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So I want to recap and then I want to close out with three pieces of positive advice for actors who are starting out and what they can do. But recapping is, for Jackie Birch, you guys who have just tuned in or are listening to this whole thing, it's when you're doing your self-tape, be really clear, don't do too much, be truthful, be honest. You don't have to do all this um, too much behavior, maybe a tiny essence, um, keeping it truthful. Keisha, yeah, and, and remember, if a scene ends or, or if, the, if the scene is written where someone says, I'll be right there, don't just stand there and have no expression on your face. Your normal reaction would be, okay, great, and walk off and, and you know, turn out the scene. Mm-hmm. People just stand there staring. Like well, they, that's they, about training. Yeah. That's about training. Those are green actors. If you're a trained actor, you know you have an open More than just beginning and do that too. It's like make sense of it. React to something because someone's saying something to you. And even though it's not on the script, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, man, or just anything just to make the scene when you're sending in a tape where you're not standing there staring off and looking ridiculous. Yes. Everything has to have thought and, and incredible lighting and incredible sound. We didn't talk about that, but that goes without saying. Yeah, but uh, I'm not, I, it's, look, if sometimes some people get stuck in, their, in a hotel, yeah. they keep on their phone just as long as they do the, the, uh, the vertical when they're doing the body shot and then turn the phone so that it makes more sense. We understand that some people aren't always, like before COVID, where people would travel and then they couldn't get videotaped you know, normal way. But just, and you know, the best thing for anybody, like we've seen some of the worst readers that read with actors, like have buddies that are actors and have them, every time you get a a, a audition, an actor reads with you and you do it for them. Because we've had some, I mean, mothers are the worst and, and you know, it, it can, it can affect. It's like, I try not to let it because if the actor's good, but it tells me something about them. Like, try to get an actor to read with you. That's, it's that's- so interesting that you say buddies because in all the classes of the studio, everyone has to have a buddy to give to that buddy. But it's yeah. really important. And, and, and also, the reader has to be not louder than the person. Yeah, right. had some where they scream into the, the, the Yeah, thing. it's, yes. So and you can look at Hunger Games. You don't have to go out in a boat to tape your audition. You know, people think they have to do all these background things and they don't. Mm. They just have to be believable as whatever character they were sent to read. Absolutely. Well, something like The Hunger Games is a physical thing. So how would they, what, what were the tapes that you felt resonated? Well, we, we, I didn't have them do action on the tapes. On, on the tapes, they were mostly reading for what the parts were, you know? Well, that's true. But when things have action, what's the key message? Right. Like when we did the big search for Logan, there were seven, six casting directors. One was in England, one was in LA, New York. I was covering the Southeast. And that girl, you saw who ended up with that, right? Where yeah. the, the, she was from Spain. Mm. And when we saw her tape, we all went, oh God, it's over. That's the girl. She literally wow. looked like she was climbing up a wall. You know, where other ones did karate or did ever, because we always make them do, if it's a baseball movie, they have to show me their skills or a piano player or this. 
but this one was even more physical. And once we saw hers. What, what did she do? I'm curious. What did she do? Literally looked like she knew how to climb up a wall. I don't know how she did it, but it was like incredible. And she got the part. Everyone's listening going, I want to see that tape. I want to see that tape. I don't have it anymore. But yeah, wow. it, it was really fascinating. But Jackie, before we close out, and I love you so much. And <laughs> you are just such an inspiration for all actors. And you guys know that when you meet Jackie, she cares so much. And her energy is all about the caring and helping you sculpt your roles. What are three pieces of advice that you can give actors out there before we close out how to further their career? What can they be doing? Okay. One, they should answer their phones. <laughs> oh a lot of people don't do that, especially here because they have other jobs. Mm. Two, they should study. People here don't study enough. I mean, they're, they're trying, but they, but they could study. Like they in LA, study everybody it's studies in LA. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and, and two, you know, think about what, even if they have questions, write, write their agents and say, can you ask Jackie or Brad what, what is going on here? Because a lot of times we can't give out scripts. And, and, you know, so don't be afraid to ask questions if you don't understand. And then if you get the material and you understand kind of what it is, then make a choice write down who this person is or who this person you want it to be and then bring it and then create a character, you know, create a, a what, what person you want to bring to that. Beginning, middle and end guys. Yeah. Training is crucial. And what Jackie just said, it's the silver lining right now because all LA studio classes are all online. My studio, I know a bunch of studios are, and you should take advantage of it. Yes. Because we challenge you and we make you better. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the process and the continued training and the studying that make you better, that get you in touch with yourself, that makes your work richer and yourself stronger. Yeah. Thank you, Jackie, so much. I hope you guys enjoy. Email the studio with any questions. I love you. I love you. I love you. Stay strong out there, guys. Yeah. What, Jackie? And make sure everybody votes. Yes. Blue. Blue. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? People better start realizing that they will, there will be no more health care. Obamacare will be gone. Abortions will be gone. I mean, people really have to start listening to what's going on here. They really do, like yeah. us. We listen strong and fiercely, yeah. and we want everyone to help us change the world back to a better place. We need a decent world again. That's for sure. Stay courteously aggressive out there, you guys. We'll Bye see you soon. There. Bye.